You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. You guys are in for such a treat today. We have Trinity on the podcast. She launched her line at 23 years old um, with a clear mission to make wellness accessible. Her line, Gold, is phenomenal. I was first introduced to it um, with their kind of like turmeric powder that you could do turmeric lattes with that were delicious or you could add into a smoothie. Now she's made the things that are good for your body into things that are good for your skin and face as well. And she's just overall like such an amazing person. She has gorgeous natural hair, gorgeous skin. And I just love speaking to like young entrepreneurs that have taken an idea, something that they had in their head and made it into a reality out in the world. And she also does the line with her fiance, which I think is really cool. So you guys can look forward to hearing from her. Other than that, I hope everyone's doing well. You know, I feel like the weeks are going by. It seems like faster than ever. I can't believe it's May already. I looked down at my nails the other day and I have to say my nails have never been so long. I think that taking a break from manicures and gel and just like having my nails done all the time has actually made them grow. I think before this, I told myself that I always got my nails done to keep them growing and to keep them long so they wouldn't chip. But now I think I've realized that by not doing anything to my nails, they're kind of thriving. It's interesting how that happens. I'm also um, just really getting into like taking care of my natural hair. It's been a while since I've had this much time with my hair and like doing wash day and One of the things that I've done that's been really fun is um, heat-free hair clip-ins. It's a great brand. I think it's a Black-owned business. Um, I just went on their site and ordered their hair clip-ins, but they have these natural hair clip-ins. You can get different lengths. And I got, I just got the 16 inch ones and I've been wearing those for days that I want to like spice it up or do something different and to add a little bit of length. Those have been great. And then other than that, just doing my twist outs. There is a line that I love that I've recently discovered for my natural hair. It is called Moisture Love. I will link to them in the show notes. Um, but I love their products. Really hydrating. Their shampoo and conditioner is great. Their leave-ins great. And they have a curl cream that I absolutely love. Now, if you have been looking for a nice hydrating shampoo and conditioner for your natural hair, 
Moisture Love is great. Um, this is not an ad. They haven't paid me to say this, but I loved their product so much that I reached out to them and they actually gave me a discount code for Naked Beauty listeners. So if you go on the site, moisturelove.com and order anything, you get 15% off with the code NAKED, which is great. Oh, the Kindred Spirits Moisture and Style Cream. It's $18. I really like that. And again, I like their shampoo and conditioner and leave-in. Other than tending to my natural hair, which feels like a full-time job, I am still cooking a lot. I am still finding moments of joy, building in things for myself to look forward to. I'm back in the city now. I was in Sac Harbor for weeks before I'm back in the city it's a little bit stressful being here sometimes, especially when I go out and I see people not wearing masks. I feel like it's pretty simple just to put a mask on. Um, our governor, Cuomo, if you guys haven't been watching his his press briefings, they're quite something. But he's just been really explaining that one of the best ways that you can show respect to healthcare workers is by wearing a mask and protecting yourself and protecting other people. I don't have like a super cute mask yet. I have a nice homemade one. Um, but I have ordered like a cool, it's like a, it's from VPL. They're using like Japanese denim and cotton. And I think that mask is going to be really cool. So I'm excited for that to arrive. And I'm also looking for a new show to watch, guys. I have finished everything. I finished Sex Education on Netflix, which I loved. I finished Succession, which was so enjoyable on HBO. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisels, I've seen all of it on Amazon Prime. Those are like great shows. But now I am looking for a show. Of course, I watch Insecure with Issa Rae Sunday nights, but the episodes are so short. They're like 30 minutes. I need something that I can binge and enjoy. So if you guys have show suggestions, please DM me. You can reach me at Naked Beauty Planet. You guys should be following the Instagram page, joining the community anyway. Love meeting you guys, hearing from you. I'm just always so blown away at how diverse the listeners are to the show, how cool you guys are, how much you love skincare, and also how many of you actually don't even care about skincare or beauty at all, but you just like listening to the show. I think that's awesome. I'm at Brooke DeVard. If you want to follow my personal account and personal endeavors, you can follow me there. And yeah, thank you for the support as always. Let's get into this episode with Miss Trinity. I am joined today by Trinity Muzan Wofford, who I've wanted to have on the podcast for probably two years now. So <laughs> welcome. It's long overdue. Thank you, Brooke. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Well, in addition to being the founder of Gold, which is an incredible beauty wellness company, stuff that you can put on your face and also ingest, which I love, <laughs> you are just like an entrepreneur. Like you're so inspiring. I know you were like the youngest Black woman to have to launch a line um, at Sephora, which is just incredible. Thank you. <laughs> um, and you keep it so real with like what it's like being a small business owner and what some of those struggles are. So I definitely want to get into that. And yes. you're also just like a gorgeous natural beauty. So I'm oh, just excited to talk about all of the things. <laughs> Me too. How are you doing in quarantine? Oh my God. I mean, generally speaking, pretty well. I'm quarantined with uh, my partner, Issei. Um, yeah, your fiance. You got to drop the fiance. You have to drop the fiance term whenever you can. I know, I know. It's funny. We um, were high school sweethearts, so we've known each other forever, um, but we got engaged six months ago now, which is crazy because it feels like it was two weeks ago. 
but yeah, I've really been enjoying this, uh, this phase, which may be indefinite right now because of coronavirus. I know. So you're enjoying kind of being home, but I know you're busier than ever. I caught up with, um, Hannah Bronfman and she said you're having like your best sales ever on (laughs) gold, which is, I mean, congratulations. That's people are home, right? They want to buy products that make them feel good. They're thinking about self-care. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. As soon as we saw that coronavirus was going to be something that was going to drastically impact the lives of everyone in our community, um, we really started to lean into um, creating sort of like virtual resources for self-care and focusing in on how we could sort of support her and, you know, that core customer um, through that journey. And I think that that has... um, really delivered from a revenue perspective, which is great, but it definitely does mean that we are busier than ever. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to go way back in time with you to talk about early Trinity, early life. You grew up in upstate New York, didn't you? Mm -hmm, I did. And I guess Issei was there too. Yeah, he was, but like, to be honest, I didn't really know it. So Issei was born in Japan and um, his mother's Japanese and he came to the U S when he was like two or three years old. Mm-hmm. And that uh, explains his like unbelievable swagger and coolness. I'm like obsessed <laughs> with Jap- Like I'm literally obsessed with Japan to like a very like troublesome degree. And he is like very cool. So like, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I'll forward that on to him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was his first language. He, he grew up there for a bit and then, um, you know, came over to the States. Um, his dad is American from New Jersey. And so, um, they ended up moving to Saratoga where, um, I was also being raised, And it's funny, Saratoga Springs, it's a small city. It's like three hours north of New York. And so like our families kind of like vaguely were aware of one another because like Issei's dad at the time was like working part time at the local um, natural food store that like my family was frequenting all the time. (laughs) So like, you you can't make this up. Like both of our parents remember each of us as little babies and like seeing each other. Oh my God. Like local natural food store. But we didn't actually formally meet until we were seniors in high school. And we were both in this like pre pre med program for like nerds who wanted to be doctors one day. And uh, yeah. Oh my God. Started. (laughs) That is adorable. Well, Saratoga for like, these are just all assumptions. These are things that I just know from like a very cursory understanding, but it seems very white. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's like, it's kind of like the opposite of like New York City, which we think about as this big cultural melting pot. I feel like Saratoga is like Trump country a little bit, like very red. Did you see other black women like growing up? What was it like? Oh my gosh. You know, it's funny. I'm glad that you bring that up because I think usually, um, people who are from the city tend to think of Saratoga as this sort of like perfect, like Hudson Valley Haven. And like, they Mm -hmm. don't acknowledge the fact that like, you know, you leave a a major city and things go much more conservative and, and far less diverse. I didn't grow up with a lot of, uh, people of color around me. And so my family, uh, to a certain extent was inherently insular in that way. So I was raised by my mom, her sister, and um, my mother's parents. 
And okay. um, particularly my grandmother was a really strong figure in the family. She was definitely like a, a matriarch. So I had that kind of line of women that were directly related to me. But outside of that, I didn't really have those connections or, or those relationships. And so I think I, I had to take a lot of those cues directly from my family members because there was nowhere else to get them. It's interesting that you're saying this because I think I've come to the realization, even though I grew up in New York City, I didn't have Black close friends growing up, which is Mm -hmm. insane to think about now. And I think about who like my close friends are that I've cultivated since college. And but if I think about like my closest, like best friends, middle school through high school, I think they were mostly white. I didn't have any like yeah. really close black girlfriends. And that's yep. such a, it's like a unique circumstance to grow up in because you're all of your perceptions of beauty and what it's like getting ready for the school dance together. And they're like, you know, passing around the flat iron and the, the whole getting ready process is really different for us. Yes. And when you don't have, you know, black girls in your like inner, inner circle, when you're growing up, they're just certain questions that are asked like oh like why are you putting on lotion you're like because I got out of the pool (laughs) like why are you know like things like that growing up did you feel like you like yearned for that or is it one of those things where you don't realize what you're missing I think I subconsciously yearned for it I think I felt my difference very strongly and I did my best to fit in I mean it's such a different time right I mean it wasn't that long ago, but I mean, nowadays seeing, um, you know, in the magazines so much diversity, seeing, um, you know, black editors in chief of Teen Vogue. I mean, that was not the case when I was growing up. So it wasn't just that, you know, there weren't black women directly around me. It was that mm-hmm. even when I looked to, um, the magazines that I was reading and the television, television shows that I was watching, there weren't really, you know, examples of the the breadth of what it meant to be beautiful and a black woman. So I, I do think that I, I felt that I needed to fit into that um, white standard of beauty, for sure. Mm. Uh, there was really no other way to survive high school in a 99% white town. <laughs> and, and, how did your, I guess, grandmother and, and mother and all of the strong, you know, black women that you had around you, how did they talk to you about beauty? Like, how did they reaffirm, you know, that black was beautiful for you growing up in this very white environment? It's funny. I am the darkest person on my mom's side of the family. I mean, my mom, I guess, is like a couple shades lighter than me, but like, her sister um, and, you know, her mother and, and her father were all very, very fair. So I think there was also kind of like an interesting situation where, you know, like my my grandmother had grown up in a very different world where she sort of saw herself as this like separate from typical like black Americans and then also separate from white Americans. And so there was, I think, more than anything in our family a real sense of separateness. Like mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily tune into the BETs and, and things like that and feel like, okay, yes, that's like, that's my perspective. Um, <laughs> right. I felt, do you know what I mean? Like I felt yeah, kind of like, of course. it's very hard, I think, as a person of color, where you're kind of confronted with a choice of either mainstream, which is inherently white, or um, the alternative which is like extremely pro-black where Mm -hmm. like at times you're like, well, 
I agree with most of this stuff, but like, these aren't all my understandings of the world. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, like I find oftentimes that when I would try to get really into uh, media sources that were, uh, you know, for and by Black folks, there was mm-hmm. a lot of religion embedded into that. And my family, mm-hmm. which might be surprising with my name, but my family was very um, wary of organized religion. They were much more spiritual type of folks. And so there was always this kind of like separation for me from like any sort of identity that I felt like I could really feel at home in. Um, Like it it felt like any way I looked, someone was kind of telling me that I wasn't fully, I wasn't the right picture of like what that should be. Right. What you're saying is hard to describe, but somehow I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very it's a very particular feeling to be a minority just growing up and trying to like make your sense of where you fit into things. We have to talk about your hair. You've got <laughs> you've got amazing hair, um, and I I'm well. One I, I want to talk about the caption you used on a very recent Instagram post. Yes. You were just you were showing us the inches. You were showing us the growth. You were showing us the beautiful, long, natural hair you have. And I also, I am very wary of, I feel like there can be like natural hair hierarchy where people feel like certain curl types are better, but also like an obsession with length. When I first went natural, there was a blog. I used to go to it every day. It was called like Black Girl Long Hair, but it was like all... Yes. And I was just like, oh my, but I can remember thinking like my hair's not long. Like what am I, you know, it's like this obsession with length. So your hair is healthy. It's also long. It's not just that it's long. So (laughs) the caption that you gave, so we basically, we see you looking in the mirror, you're like pulling your hair um, away from you. We see the inches, they're there. We see the health. So you wrote, here's the thing about hair tips. I can tell you about every step and product the same way I can tell you about how to maintain a happy long-term relationship with your boo, but it's your relationship with your hair. And the best way to learn how to care for it is to listen, approach your hair with kindness, gratitude, and a lot of patience. In conversations over the months, years, you will learn what it needs and how often and which day. Most of the time when people ask me for hair tips, I can sense they're coming from a place of impatience and frustration. Just tell me what to do to fix this, in quotes. Mm -hmm. There's no compassion in it. Approach everything in your life with compassion. And before you know it, you will feel the shift. So that's beautiful. And that's where you are now with your hair. (laughs) But I want to know, like going way back when, did you always... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, pre-shift. Did you always have this really healthy relationship with your hair? No, I didn't. It's interesting. I um I'm trying to remember like when I first had any sort of like a relaxer in my hair. Um it wasn't super early on because again, you know, it's interesting. The my mom was doing my hair, of course, and um my mom has less coarse hair than I do. So like she would put a relaxer in her hair every so often, but she'd only do it like once a year. And she mm-hmm. like really had no business putting a relaxer in her hair. Like she was just, I want it straight, you know, like, yeah. you know, I wasn't one of those girls that like six years old, like slapped the chemicals on their head. So I had some, I have like photos of my hair where it looks pretty much like this and I'm what, you know, 10 years old. And then there certainly did come a point where I think really due to my own obsession with trying to navigate beauty standards, I started to want to get my hair pressed out. Um, I would go, I would have my mom take me to a hair salon um, 
down in Albany where there were actually black people who could do my hair. Um, cause I was thinking, okay, well, like this is where I belong. Like this is it. And you know, I would get it like relaxed and like totally like pressed bone straight. I would do that on and off from then until I don't know, age 16 or so. And during that whole time, my hair was just not healthy. It was damaged. It was fried. It was breaking off. I couldn't get it to grow past shoulder length. And I mean, I have so many like funny stories of, well, they're funny in hindsight. You know, I remember once going to that salon and I had bleached my hair because I had like gotten this kit at like Sally. Oh, girl. Beach, where, like, <laughs> Bleach and the relaxer. I was wild. You, um, you've done like a true like 180. Yeah. Big time. Big time. I mean, I used to be very stir crazy with my look. I used to love to change mm-hmm. it up. I So I went to Sally Beauty. I got this like highlighter kit that like definitely is not meant for black hair, you know, so it's like bleach. And then I like put in a blue stripe in my hair. This was in middle school, actually. I'm like getting I'm remembering it now. So I had like this (laughs) blue stripe in my hair. At some point I died over it. And then at some point I went back to my salon to get a relaxer and my hair melted, of course. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, it was bad, but I've been through the ringer with my hair and I've done a lot to it and I've been extremely aggressive with it. And I was like that for a very long time. So, so what, what was the switch? What was the like, okay, I'm going to go natural and really care for my hair and really like pamper it and listen to it and, and treat it with compassion. Well, it was a gradual shift, I think. So I first went natural when I was like 14 or 15 and I did a big chop because that's what folks were doing then. You know, mm-hmm. I like was on all the YouTube channels. Yeah, it's natural just, 85. Uh, yes, yes. Okay, big and big early influence. And then did you go to curlynicky.com? Of course I did. Yeah, and that, I never those were the had sites. Curly Nikki's hair. I, I never had her hair. I was, doing, I was doing her henna mixes. I was doing <laughs> yeah. her yogurt masks. I was like... My, the curls are not popping the way yours are. But that's, again, that's part of the learning. Like you yeah. learn not to compare your hair to anyone else because all of our hair is so different. But yes, okay, yeah. I can remember that so well. So did you um, follow Chime Edwards? Of course, of course. That was another one that I... Yeah. And they all had like magical hair. Like they all just <laughs> yeah. like literally, I'd watch these videos and I'm like, your hair is magical. Like my hair does not do this. But it, but I'm so grateful to those women for the learning and the education because what other resources did we have? Yeah, absolutely. And so I went, I went down the YouTube hole. I went through that phase. I did a big chop and I mean like big chop because I was impatient. So like as soon as my natural hair started growing in and like I wasn't getting it flat ironed again, like I had, you know, like two inches of hair and just chopped it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Then I think I grew it out for a while. And then I think maybe I got a keratin treatment. I'm trying to remember this a while ago. And then the keratin treatment was kind of gross and stringy and I chopped it again. I was natural for a while and I was doing a lot of heat. I was still doing a lot of heat on my mm, hair. So yeah. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't great. Oh yeah. And then at some point I got like a relaxer again. Like I, this oh, is wow. all throughout like high school, college. I was okay. like all over the place. Where'd you go for college? NYU. I came down. Okay. To okay. So you're in city life now. Okay. Yep. And I, I mean, I'm telling you, I can't even think of like all the different phases. Like people say, when did you go natural? And I'm like, I can tell you that the first time I big chopped, I was like 14 or 15. But yeah. since then, 
it's been a bit of a wild ride. And throughout that whole time, I had no respect for my hair still. Mm-hmm. I was getting various treatments. I was trying to see if I would like, uh, you know, wigs or braids or something like that as a solution. But every time I would get any sort of extensions, like three weeks in, I would be chopping them out of my hair. Cause I just, I can't handle having stuff on my head. that makes me feel claustrophobic. So mm. I was all over the damn place <laughs> for so long. And so to answer your question, as far as like when the shift actually happened, this is a real long time coming. It seriously was not until I started gold and I was too busy and too damn poor to mess around with my hair. <laughs> yeah. And that's such an amazing catalyst though. Truly. I just like, I got into the stage where I just, you know, my hair was natural. I, I remember thinking like, man, I really want to get another keratin treatment, but like, eh, I don't know. I just kept putting it off and I just kind of left my hair in a bun and would wash it once a week. And that was all I had time for. And then I started putting it in a couple of braids And then I was like, oh, this is kind of working. And I just kept going from there. And it took a while to get to that point where I was like, okay, I don't need to put any chemicals on my hair. I don't need to flat iron my hair. My hair is fine. It's great. It's healthy. And if I just keep listening to it, I will get to a point where like we're in equilibrium. And like, I've been wanting to grow it out, but length was never really the goal. It was much more so just like, how can I no longer be in a state of tension and like mm. cyclic abuse with my hair? That's so deep. That's so deep. But I also really want to make sure people are hearing this message because I do think being in quarantine is a good time to assess, right? Because yeah. we are forced to care for our hair ourselves. And that's something that we're all equipped to do. And that's like, this is really the time to be prioritizing health and changing our relationship with our hair. So I think that's so beautiful. Thank you. So I do want to talk about gold. You yeah. were 23 years old, which is like a baby. I mean, baby. how old are you now? 30? 27. 27. Okay. You're only 27. Wow. Okay. You're so like wise <laughs> beyond your years. I like oh, think of you. you as like, you're just incredible. So You're 23 and you decide you want to make wellness accessible and you want to create a wellness brand. Like what sparked the idea? How did you begin to start? How do you go from idea and passion into like business plan? And okay, okay, I'm going to do this. Okay. I am going to try to find a way to make this story not short, but reasonable because it's it's been a while. I know it's a journey. Yes. So it goes back to growing up in upstate New York. I was raised by a single parent with an autoimmune disease. Uh, my mom has severe rheumatoid arthritis um, to the extent that she was often bedridden throughout um, my childhood. Mm. And when I was a teenager, she switched over to seeing a more holistically minded MD. He got her on these alternative treatments and she started to improve and um, watching that changed my life. And so that was actually the moment that I said, okay, I want to be a doctor. So I met Issei in that like pre pre med <laughs> program in high school. And then I went down to NYU for college and I was pre med there. And all was well until I found out from my mom that she had to actually stop seeing that doctor because she couldn't afford it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had this sense of, okay, 
I don't know if that's what I want to do then. I don't know if I want to practice holistic care just for the folks who can comfortably afford it. And so I was graduating with a psych degree and like wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I ended up working at a startup. I kind of fell into it. Um, that's As you where... do in New York City. Exactly. I mean, that's <laughs> where I was being told to go. It yeah. was like, go work in consulting or go work at a tech startup. And tech startup sounded a lot more interesting than consulting. A hundred percent. I didn't want to wear a suit. So I went to the tech startup. It was this uh, retail tech startup. So, you know, it's a complicated product, but they did like analytics for okay. retail marketers. So like, and I'm sure they had, yeah. And I'm sure they had a ton of funding. Right. Cause I feel like there's like this, like you have this eye opening moment. You realize like, wow, like VCs are really like throwing money at young people with ideas. Like <laughs> I've got a few ideas. Right. Well, it was interesting because I came in, um, just as they had closed their series a didn't know what the hell a series a was, but came in, ended up being like the second hire on the marketing team after the CMO who had come from Amazon, like was thrown into the fire in the best way possible loved startup life, loved working with a small, sharp team, loved um, the marketing side of it and the brand mm -hmm. building. And mm -hmm. I feel like I was able to expose myself to that again after, you know, I had chosen pretty early on that I wanted to be a doctor. And once you put yourself on that path, you sort of self-select out of um, opportunities to delve into creative expression. And so getting right. into the marketing side of things again, tapped into that side of my brain, which was really neat. And so I loved all of that. But meanwhile, I was definitely the friend or coworker who was recommending various herbal remedies to you, depending on how you were feeling. So I knew I had to get back to that. So that turned into gold because um, I really credit Issei for this. He grew up in like old school small family business. Um, his parents have a candle factory upstate that they literally started out of their garage, you know, like 20 year old business, profitable, like just a beautiful, beautiful, uh, you know, I guess you might call it a lifestyle business, but mm -hmm. Issei grew up in that sort of operations world. And it kind of gave us both the window into entrepreneurship and the fact that like, this could be done. It's funny because when we told Issei's family that we were going to start a brand, they were like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they knew how hard it was. Right, right, right. So yeah, I feel like I have to preface that by saying that it didn't mean that they like gave us a nice angel investment and like yeah. helped us like every step of the way. They were like, okay, yeah. um, we'll answer your questions if you have them. You know, we decided to start something. Um, it had to be super small, um, but ultimately... The idea for gold was really born from my experiences as a consumer in the wellness space and like feeling very caught between that sort of crunchy granola stuff that, mm -hmm. um, you know, Easte and I grew up with at that mm -hmm. natural health food store. And then this like new wave of stuff that felt so prestige that it was very out of reach. Okay. Like the goop type stuff. Even though I know, I know you're like goop aligned. <laughs> they, they're very supportive <laughs> of you, which I think is great. But like, that that kind of like you have a ton of money so you can spend it on wellness yeah i mean like i can't spend 60 dollars on a supplement um unless it's gonna literally change my life so i right. can't afford to even experiment with those types of products so 
I really just felt like there was this missed opportunity for like the everyday consumer who really wants to build out her self-care routine, but just isn't really being spoken to. That makes sense. So how did you start with turmeric? Turmeric was like one of your first products, right? Well, so I love turmeric for like face masks. Um, but I also love it like in smoothies. It's like such a great anti-inflammatory, but how did you arrive at turmeric as like one of the first things that you were going to focus on? It's funny. We ended up starting with turmeric and then turmeric blew up, which was convenient. Um, I, we definitely didn't, we couldn't have known the extent to which turmeric was Mm going to be like all over like every cafe menu. Um, but that was definitely a boost for us. But turmeric was something that like my mom had been using as an anti-inflammatory. And so I had started playing around with it and like putting it in my juices and my smoothies and saw that it was so incredible for my skin and for my immunity and my gut health. Turmeric also is great because it's so powerful, but it's really affordable. So it really felt like a product that we could easily bring to the market ourselves. And by that, I mean, literally like blended the product by hand ourselves for the first year and that like we could sell at a reasonable price, that it wasn't going to be something that was like outlandish and impossible for the average person to buy into. Great. But now you're, you've gone far beyond just yeah. a powder that you can add to drinks and you're like in the beauty space and you're you know, being sold at all of these beauty retailers. How did you develop into all of the products that you have now? It's been a journey. So um, we have like half a dozen SKUs now, um, a range of like latte and tea powders, like matcha, etc. But then we also do have our face masks um, that we launched in 2019. And the story with those is actually um, in the midst of launching Gold, um, when we were ready to start full time on the business, we were ready to go full time on Gold, but I couldn't afford to pay um, our Brooklyn rent and you know not have my day job so um we moved upstate for a little bit because my mom had this house that she was like getting ready to move out of cuz she was going to go to, she was going to move in with her mother um my grandmother to take care of her and so she was about to put her house up on the market and i called her and i was like mom don't sell your house i'm moving in um <laughs> and so let's see i stayed upstate for a while came back down to the city like six months later, gold was like almost one year old and my skin broke out and I couldn't figure out what was up, but it was like, I had breakouts like all along my jaw, like all the way down my neck. And so I tried a bunch of stuff. I think, you know, I'm a big proponent of a shower filter system. You are, Um, I know, which I think (laughs) like, let's talk about it because I feel like the t- like tap water in certain places you're not even advised to drink the tap water so it yeah. is interesting that we like bathe and shower and like do our skincare and hair care with that same water. Yes. So the shower filter it's literally um for folks who don't know it's a filter that hooks up onto your shower head and it filters the water so that the water that hits your body is not just like straight tap. It's one of the things that I experimented with when I moved back to the city that really helped my skin. New York City tap has a lot of chlorine. I actually can really smell the chlorine coming off of the tap water. If I just run the faucet, it smells like pool water to me. And the chlorine is in there to, um, you know, prevent germs, which is great, but not great for your skin or hair. Exactly. I mean, like your skin has a microbiome and like those bacteria are really helpful and essential for your skin and they're being destroyed. So it's 
good to filter that out. It can really help with irritation, whether that's dryness or acne, uh, dandruff, anything like that. Also, if you how much is a shower filter? Just I don't know, like an Amazon subscription for it now, but I think they range from like twenty to forty dollars. Oh my god, Um, that's like the cost of like a moisturizer. Okay, I'm just gonna order it tonight after we talk like it's just it needs to happen I don't know like why I haven't I've... told you this enough Brooke. I know I know okay <laughs> getting my shower filter yeah no it makes total sense okay sorry I interrupted you I don't know um that's a really good question so um also like for example my building in Brooklyn is really old and uh my landlady's the best but she doesn't always repair things on time so sometimes I run the top water and like there's rust from the old pipes that comes through and that can all like that it's not harmful it's not toxic or anything like that but it's just like not great for your skin so it just removes all the stuff that's in your water that's not great for you and i find that it's very essential i mean like tap water varies so like you might not have a huge problem depending on where you're at but for me at least in brooklyn it's a necessity Wow. Okay. Well, that's actually a good segue into your favorite beauty products. Like what are the, what are your products? They can be your own products or other, other products, but what are the products that you're like absolutely obsessed with for your skincare, hair care, self-care? Wait, I also just realized that like, this was a very long winded story to, to how I launched the face masks. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) I got so derailed. Yes. We were talking about your skin journey when you moved back. Okay. Yes. Yes. Let's, let's, we'll come back to your favorite products. I know shower filter is like a whole other podcast, honestly, but (laughs) okay. So the shower filter helped, but then I still, it only got me like halfway there. And then literally out of desperation, I started putting random superfood products from gold's product development cabinet onto my skin. Mm. And when something worked, which like was miraculous, I kept working on that formula until it turned into our face masks. Like that's how that transition happened. It was very real and honest. <laughs> that's amazing. Remind me what's in the clean greens um, yeah. face mask. Cause I do, I do spirulina. Like I'll just take mm-hmm. spirulina and honey and like put that on my face. But I feel like yeah. clean greens has like a really amazing blend. Yes. So it has spirulina. Um, but it also has chlorella. It has mango. It has marshmallow root. So it's very hydrating and, um, what people often remark about when they use the clean greens mask is that it feels cooling when you put it on. It's very anti-inflammatory. So it's like good for all skin types. If you're dealing with redness, breakouts, whatever, like shit works. I don't know what else to say. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I haven't, you know, I haven't tried the clean greens. I've tried the brightening one, which I love. Oh yeah. That one's great too. It, it, isn't it amazing though, how the food that's good for us to ingest internally, all, it's like, it's actually not amazing. It actually makes all of the sense in the world, right? That like mother nature provides these things that are nourishing and they're nourishing for your body inside out. It's like, we forget. Oh, yeah. I yeah. was stunned when I saw what a difference it made in my skin. And then also what, a, what a difference it's made in so many folks skin, like who have used the mask. I mean, like I read the reviews on our website and I could cry, you know, I mean, it's just incredible to see. And, um, yeah, I mean, it really, it's just the power of superfoods, man. Yeah. And I mean, you have perfect skin, so you're like the best possible poster child (laughs) for your own product. Okay. So, so tell us what your favorite products are. 
Ooh, yes. Okay. Well, um, since we're on the topic, I clean greens is on my okay. list. I try to do that mask like a couple of times a week. I was doing it every day when I was breaking out and I was working on resetting my skin. Um, and now I find that just like a couple times a week is is really good for me. Other product that I really, really love is Supernal's face oil. Have you tried it? No, I don't even know Supernal. Oh, it's amazing. Um, really? What type of oil is it? Okay, so it's a blend. Um, it's the base of it's actually camellia oil, um, which oh, I'm familiar wow. with because it's big in Japan. And so yeah. like Issei's mom has gifted it to me before and it's like non-greasy, but very rich. Um, yeah, I love it. It's like silk. It like glides on yes. your skin. It feels great. Oh, wait, so the, is it cosmic glow oil that you like? Yeah. Oh, wow, this is a it's beautiful bottle. That always like, I feel like that's like a really like, that's confidence, you know, and you just have like one really good product. Yeah. This is what we do. Okay. It's so, like, it's expensive. It's yeah, like $108. Yeah. It's not cheap, but it works. Um, the, the founder is one of the sweetest women that I've ever known. Um, she's local here in Brooklyn and she has such respect for the ingredients and, mm. and the formulas and, and everything. So it's extremely high quality and you really can feel that. I feel like oftentimes like I'll try out like a fancier face product and I'm like, eh, I mean, I feel like this yeah. is just like a luxury product, but like you can really feel the difference with that one. So I think that's one that's sort of worth the splurge. Um, I love it. Yeah. I'm looking at the ingredients now. They have uh, squalene in it, marula yeah. oil, cranberry seed oil, sesame seed oil, um, frankincense, which I love frankincense, mm -hmm. tansy oil, blue tansy oil popped up out yeah. of nowhere and is like taken over, but I love it. Okay. I'm going to put this on my list. This looks like a gorgeous product. And this green color is probably just a joy to have on your shelf. Yes. It also like the smell it has like, I don't, I think it might be the cranberry oil, but it's got like a bit of a fruity smell. It's not nice. cloying, but it's got this really fresh fruity smell. That's like Okay. Very, very nice. Nice. Okay. What else do you love? Okay. So I was going to say my shower filter, but I want to talk about more things. So <laughs> I don't know if this counts as a beauty product. You tell me, but can I list my favorite fragrance? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love fragrances. Do you know the brand Mondo Mondo? I do. Yes. They have this scent called Cowboy, which is also green. I feel like that's like the theme of my beauty products today. Clean greens, supernal green oil, and this like... Now, Mondo Mondo, aren't they... Don't they sell jewelry? Yes. Jewelry and fragrance. Okay. Okay. So I'm like, is this the right brand? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. a few things that like, who doesn't love? Okay. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. I know exactly. Their bottles are gorgeous. That's another, I feel like, big important thing. Okay. So you like the cowboy. Yeah. Like, I almost don't even want to tell you how much I love it because I want it to just be my scent forever. <laughs> forever. Like, how much? Yeah. Like, it's so grassy and herbaceous, which works on me. I sniffed it for the first time at Boroboro in Soho like a year ago. And mm. I just had my eye on it. And I was like, Sticks with day, you. I'm going to buy that perfume. That's yeah. it. I finally got it. And Especially during quarantine, it's been so nice. I put it on every morning when I get ready for my workday. Um, and it kind of makes me feel like I've transitioned into like that time of day, which is nice. 
I love that. I haven't, I've been like neglecting my fragrance practice in quarantine. And <laughs> just yesterday, actually, I like after I showered, I actually put on my fragrance and I was like, I actually, this, this feels like part of like the getting ready ritual. Cause it's not really for other people. It's for yourself. Yeah. I'm looking at the notes of this here. This sounds gorgeous. It's honeysuckle, grass, earth, tobacco, leather, coffee, Texan cedarwood and cypress. So it's like really green, but earthy. Yeah. I love, and it sounds like it could almost be like not gender specific. Oh, totally. Anyone could wear it. Um, and every time that I do wear it, people are like, what is that? That smells Ooh. amazing. So that's very yummy. Okay. Love. Well, we, <laughs> we talked, we, I feel like we talked a little bit about your biggest beauty mistakes. We talked about this blue streak. Um, yeah. but are there other like big beauty mistakes you've made as we've all made on our journeys and like that you've learned from? Yes, they all have to do with doing too much. Um, <laughs> so, You're doing too much. Too much. Like, I could go on and on. As uh, This could be another podcast episode, every weird thing that I've done to my body in the name of beauty. But I think the biggest ones outside of everything I've done to my hair are like the abuse that I have subjected my skin to. I am such a picker. I don't really get like inflamed zits, but I'll get like these little like closed comedones and I will pick no I will pick the life out of my skin. No. To get and That's what like the worst thing to do. What inevitably happens is I end up with like an actual proper, disgusting, awful pimple right. that looks violent and angry. And yeah. it like totally like, it was literally like not even a thing before. I've tried to get pretty good about not doing that. How do you how do you make yourself not? I try to remember what will inevitably happen to you. <laughs> yeah, um, you're like, I've seen this movie before. I know how this yeah, ends. Yeah, like, you know. Um, yeah. And then I feel like it's also this piece of not allowing myself to get like entranced with it. Like, I feel like mm. I, I will find like one clogged pore that's totally like a safe like squeeze. And then the next thing I know, I'm like, what else is on my skin? And yeah. that's when shit goes wrong. Yeah. Um, so I try to just like not, I try to just leave stuff. If something is really like needs to go, I'm taking it out, but I'm just trying to be a little bit more patient. And like the other big mistake again is just like over exfoliating, layering a whole bunch of stuff on my skin that it didn't need, just overuse and like exposing it to way too much. It's interesting when I interviewed my dermatologist for this podcast, the number one thing she said that she's doing with clients, especially like now that everyone's so skincare obsessed is telling them to do less, mm-hmm. like less acids, less creams, less, just less of everything. Cause you're just like freaking your skin out yeah. and like keeping it simple. But it's, it's hard for me to do because I love skincare and I love the ritual of it and I love trying things. So I'm like, just like a kid in a candy shop. Like I want to yeah. like use it all, but it is sometimes important just to like, reel it in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think it comes with time as you kind of sort out what your skin likes and what it doesn't. But yeah, I've just found that my skin's way happier if I do less. And like, even, I don't know, like I've gone to get a facial and the person's like, your texture could be better. I'm going to like rub like 8,000 things on your face. And then temporarily I have the skin of a baby's bottom. But Mm -hmm. the next week I'm like, my skin looks dull and weird and like, it doesn't Mm. look healthy. It looks like it's been stripped. Mm. And so this obsession with like 
porelessness and like velvet texture. I just, I don't know. I think some people are blessed with that, but like it's skin. If it's healthy and it's got a glow to it, you're in good shape. And like, I try not to, I think I've actually even lost interest in trying to add like all of these different regimens in that will somehow get me like 5% closer to like perfect face, if that makes sense. That's amazing. I feel like we should all try to like (laughs) not be so obsessed. Um, That's like a goal. As a business owner, and and we should say like Issei is your co-founder, right? So you're like, it's also a... Uh, well, you guys aren't husband and wife yet, but a fiance. Yeah, you guys are basically um, married. But so you guys are business partners and life partners, and you're doing it all on your own. It's all self-funded. How do you just like maintain a healthy stress level, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. a lot to run your own business. And you're so good. I just want to make a quick plug for your content. You have a great like IGTV series where you talk about like developing your email marketing list and like really the like the ins and outs of like marketing. Um, So for anyone who's listening, who's like an entrepreneur and wants to start their own business or you already have a small business, like Trinity is an amazing resource. So definitely follow her. I'll link to your Instagram. (laughs) Um, But like, yeah, like just from like a a mental health perspective, um, how do you guys keep everything in balance? Because it's probably a lot of pressure, isn't it? It is a lot. I think having a partner makes it a lot easier. Um, Issei is really an incredible grounding force in my life, whether it's personally or professionally. And he can give me the perspective that I oftentimes am not able to reach on my own. I think typically, like my energy is a little bit more high frequency. Um, and so it means that I can get a lot done, but I'm also more prone to stress and anxiety and he's much more level and grounded. So I think that's really valuable, but I do work very, very hard, but I also try not to take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, like I talk to other founders sometimes and I'm like, Oh, you are like, th- I don't know. It just feels like you don't have, you don't have work-life balance, do you? Yeah. You know? Like you're like you're on your phone looking at email all the time. And like, I'm not saying that I'm not guilty of that, but I mean, on the weekends and like after a certain point in the day, I'm not typically doing that. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, you have a, you have a wellness um, company, right? And so mm-hmm. I've, I've even had moments with this podcast where like, I, I believe so much in wellness and self-care and I ha- I've had to tell myself, you cannot stress yourself out and kill yourself trying to put out <laughs> podcast it's all about you know self-care and taking care of yourself like you have to align your personal life with the mission of your company as well yes I think it's huge to to live it and I think just acknowledging like I mean I'll be real like how many like true superfood emergencies are there like if I get an email chances (laughs) are it can wait a few hours it can wait until tomorrow like I just think there's such a sense of like impending doom and urgency all the time with people now because you're so ultra connected, but like, yeah. it's going to be fine. You'll, you'll get it so tomorrow, true. you know? For and sure. like, that's, I think that's very mo- much my ethos is like being on top of your shit, but like acknowledging that like, this is stuff that we do for work, but there is a bigger picture, which is your life and your family and, um, the legacy that you're going to leave, which is more than just what you did for work. And I, I, I think that kind of grounds me in it. 
Yeah, that's great. And how is it being a black woman in the wellness space as a founder? Because there aren't there aren't many of us, no. right? Does it feel isolating? Does it feel like an opportunity? Um, how do you how do you manage that? Generally, it feels like an opportunity. I think sometimes the, the thing that is most exhausting about it is that um, the industry is mostly um, white women, and I think that there is sometimes this like misguided sense of like camaraderie because like we're all women, mm. but like the black female experience and the white female experience are very, very, very different. Very different. Yeah. And I like, I feel like so often, I wonder if you get this too, where like a white woman will be like, yeah, like I totally get it. Like as a female founder, you're like, you don't fucking get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a false equivalency. There's just that we, yeah. we have different realities. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's um, the biggest load to bear at times yeah. is kind of like navigating that piece and like, still engaging those folks um who have like maybe like a more narrow view of like what challenges i might be facing do you like, do you take the opportunity to stop and educate or do you just kind of like smile and just like move on or i guess you uh, pick and choose i pick and choose i feel yeah. like most of the time i smile and move on because i do not have time and it's not my responsibility to educate absolutely people. absolutely um, yeah generally yeah i generally i feel like i don't because i just yeah. can't <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? There's this book that's come out recently. That's like why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Um, because yeah, you're right. It's not our responsibility. It's something that you can choose to do and choose to engage in. And I think there are a lot of white women that listen to this podcast and are able to hear different experiences of women that are different from them and don't have their same backgrounds and realize some of the unique things that we deal with, um, which mm -hmm. is great. Like the more, I think the more you self-educate, the better. But I think oftentimes the burden is placed on black women to be the ones to like break it down into like bite-sized chewable pieces for you to like digest and yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. So when you're like listed as like the, you know, youngest black woman to have, <laughs> you know, your stuff at Sephora, or when you get on one of these like best of beauty lists, you've had so many career accomplishments, you're only 27. Do you like celebrate it? Like, are you like, okay, I'm killing it out here? Like, do you take the time to acknowledge what an amazing job you've done? Or does it kind of just feel like, okay, that's nice. Like now what's like the business of the day? Truly. I don't. I have very few moments of celebration now, which sounds kind of um, morbid, but to be honest, it's not. It's more so that like my sense of like when something has been accomplished is different from the external sense of when something has been accomplished. Mm -hmm. Like I appreciate those points of recognition um, a lot. It's very meaningful to me, but I think that it doesn't necessarily mean that I hit the goal that I needed to hit in my business or that. Mm -hmm. So when I think about the goals that I want to hit, it's like getting new products out. It's um, hitting certain revenue goals. It's growing as um, a team leader. It's bringing on more incredible um, people to the gold team. Like that's really what I'm after. And so I think these external points of validation are like helpful little like check marks as far as like, okay, I'm on the right path. But I don't rely on them for um, like a sense of whether or not I'm doing the right thing. Fair. I think good not to rely on, but important to celebrate. I will work on doing more celebration. I think that that's something that I think 
especially as a bootstrapped business, um, there's just such a sense of like, okay, great. On to the next thing. Yeah, I don't have time exactly. to even think about, okay, thank you. Yep. And so I think that especially as the team grows a little bit and there's more, I, you know, it's, I like get so wistful talking about like my team, literally like two other people besides me and Issei, but I love them so much because it's created this whole new dynamic um, that I'm so appreciative of. And now I do think I'm actually much more into celebrating the wins because I want to celebrate mm. their wins and yeah. like, we're all doing it together. Um, right. And so it feels a little less like self-serving and more like really um, important to like gold's journey. That's great. I feel like you would be an amazing leader. I've never worked <laughs> for you or with you, but I can just like imagine you'd be like a very like motivating boss. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I hope that they would say the same. Okay. We've come to my final question that I ask okay. all of my guests, which is when do you feel most beautiful? I feel most beautiful when I feel like I am in balance. Um, and that means so many different things. It means that like, I'm actually making time for exercise and movement. I'm not like, I'm so not a natural exerciser, so I have to force it, but it's worth it because I really feel the difference in my body and in like my mental clarity, you know, like I've like actually bothered to detangle my hair in the past 10 days. Right. Like I just, I feel good when I know that like, generally speaking, I'm taking care of myself. Mm. And I think that is really where like the, the true beauty starts to shine through because you're holding yourself differently and your outlook is different. And that reflects on the way that you actually look and, and like the weight that you are or are not carrying, you know, on your shoulders and in your brow. I, it's kind of like a broad definition. No, that's beautiful. <laughs> it's broad, but it's very evocative. I know exactly oh. what you mean. Um, it does make a huge difference when you're taking care of yourself. Yep, that's the key. That's <laughs> the key. So it's all about. Well, thank you so much. I feel like we covered so many amazing topics. I feel yes. like you have to come back because I would love to. <laughs> there's so much that you do, and I just want to say how much I appreciate you being out here in the wellness community, creating really quality products, but also just the fact that you take the time to share your journey back with others so that we can learn from your experience, I think really, really is what sets you apart and makes you not just like an incredible founder, but incredible role model for so, so, so many people. So thank you, Trinity, for being you and for doing what you do. Oh, thank you, Brooke. That's the sweetest thing. Yes, of course. Well, all right. I will drop links so everyone can get to know you better in mm -hmm. the uh, description box. And thank you so much for being on the show. Yep. Thanks, guys. Bye. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence, every inch, stitch, 
Solon logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Okay, guys, how great was that episode? So many amazing takeaways from Trinity. One of the takeaways that I have, the first one is to treat your hair with compassion and give your hair time. She talked about the fact that if you listen to your hair, you can get to a better place with your hair. And where she really had this big aha moment with her natural hair when she realized that she didn't want to be in this like state of abuse with her hair. She didn't want to be fighting with it constantly. I think that is such an important lesson for us all to learn. No matter what hair type you have, whether you're over dyeing it, overheating it, manipulating it too much, putting tracks in, just glue on your hair. Like we all could be kinder to our hair. And I just love that she's had such a dramatic turnaround. Takeaway number two, she's created this amazing line gold, but creating a brand based on your experiences as a consumer. She talked about this missed opportunity to bring wellness to the everyday consumer and then basically built a line based on what she felt as a product was missing. I know you guys have heard me talk about me starting this podcast before, but I couldn't find a show like mine and I wanted one as a podcast listener. So I was like, why don't I just create the show that I want? I think for so many of us that have passions and things that we want to start, it's oftentimes because we can't find them as consumers. So we think, oh, maybe I should start it. That's a really good clue that you've got a great idea because you're probably not alone. There are probably thousands of other people like you that are interested in looking for this thing as well. Now, takeaway number three. Wow shower filter. Now I have wanted a shower filter ever since we've had this conversation. I'm in the negotiating phase with my husband. He's saying that there's, it's not as easy as I think it is. It's not just like a snap of the fingers. We get a shower filter. I have to do measurements, but I really, really want a shower filter. I don't drink tap water. I filter the water that I consume. So I think especially living in New York City, it is a good idea to filter your shower water. Number four, takeaway, food for your body can be food for your face. This is something that I talk about a lot. But just, again, thinking about those superfoods like spirulina or manuka honey and thinking about how those translate into foods for your skin. Takeaway number five, just not to pick your skin. Just be patient. Leave it. If you see a blemish or a mark, just like take a deep breath, leave it alone. It will all be fine. And then... My final takeaway from her, takeaway number six, just her experience as a black woman in the wellness space and how she's basically come to terms that it's not her job to educate others. I think this is a burden that a lot of us women of color feel that sometimes we have to be the one to educate our non-black counterparts about what's acceptable or the culture or the history of certain things. Um, But that's kind of a tax in itself. And I think that more and more white women specifically need to do the work to self-educate and to seek out books to read and to seek out resources and not just ask to have it explained to them by minorities, right? Because then that places the burden of the education on the group that is often being oppressed. 
So I love that she spoke to that. I think it's such a powerful thing to remember. And I just appreciate her transparency. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing from Trinity as much as I loved talking to her. And I'll be back next week with a new episode. I'm interviewing Dr. Barbara Sturm. It's finally happening, guys. She has been talked about on this podcast a million times. So finally getting to sit down and ask her all of my burning questions, your burning questions, and learn more about her and her life. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.